Eagles Entertainment. Compassionate and trusted care. Clinical expertise. It's the cornerstone of NovaCare Rehabilitation and why they're the leading provider of physical therapy throughout the Delaware Valley. Don't let aches and pains or any injury slow you down. Schedule an appointment today at NovaCare.com. The Philadelphia Eagles choose NovaCare. So can you. NovaCare, the power of physical therapy. Welcome back to Return Game, Birds, Boys, and Bad Blood, presented by NovaCare Rehabilitation. I'm your host, Rob Ellis. And I'm Derek Gunn. Let's pick up where we left off with our story. In 1994, the Philadelphia Eagles were in their 62nd season in the NFL. In the early years of the decade, the Eagles had made a brilliant showing, sacking Troy Aikman a total of 11 times. They lost a beloved member of the gangrene D-line, Jerome Brown, and free agency had changed the makeup of the Birds. The team was owned by a car dealer from Florida, Norman Brayman. Brayman had fallen out of favor with the city, players, and fans. Well, just about everyone. He had become known for his penny-pitching ways. His eye was always on the bottom line. He wanted to sell the team. So, in May of 1994, Jeffrey Lurie bought the Philadelphia Eagles. Jeffrey Lurie was a huge football fan. In 1958, he was eight years old. He watched that year's NFL championship game with his father. That game is sometimes referred to as the greatest game ever played. It was the Baltimore Colts against the New York Giants. It was the first overtime game. And that was really when he fell in love with pro football. He kept waiting for the right opportunity, and the right opportunity presented itself in 1994 when the Philadelphia Eagles went up for sale. And uh, he jumped to the head of the line and bought the team, and here we are now. Philadelphia and Eagles fans were excited about the new owner. Jeff came in as a guy who really loved pro football, wanted to be a part of pro football. And on that basis, he seemed like a good fit for the Philadelphia community. Jeffrey Lurie was not from Philly, but his love of the game was apparent to Eagles fans, and that is all they needed. Jeff became accepted as a quote-unquote Philly guy pretty quickly. Anyone that knows anything about Philadelphia knows how the people here feel about the Eagles. I mean, it is a very intense and very personal connection between these fans and the football team. So the guy that owns the Philadelphia Eagles is maybe next to the mayor, the most important man in the city. Lurie's approach to owning the club was a refreshing change from Brayman's, and he made it clear he wanted to win. Jeff came in and said right away, he said, I view myself as a fan slash owner, that I can't really separate the fan part from the owner part. I want to have the best team I possibly can, and I want to win championships. As for the birds and boys rivalry? When he bought the team, he bought into the Eagles-Cowboys rivalry. So the feeling that had been there all along still existed. Jeff, as a real football guy, I think he got the idea of the rivalry, the intensity of the feeling, how important it was to the city that the Eagles win those games against the Cowboys. With Laurie at the helm, the team parted ways with Rich Kotite and brought in Ray Rhodes. Ray Rhodes was a very, very nice man. He was the first hire by Jeffrey Lurie, and he had been the defensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers, the Super Bowl champions. Less than one week after San Francisco beat San Diego in Super Bowl 24, Ray Rhodes was scooped up by the Eagles. He was one of the few African-American coaches in the NFL. 
he was as nice an individual as you could ever meet. When Ray Rhodes came here, he wasn't the guy who smiled a lot, but he was a very warm person, and you got to know him. And he would tell some great stories about his childhood, about his career as a first wide receiver, then as a defensive back uh, with the New York Giants. But Ray had a glare. If someone stepped out of line, he would just look at him, and that player would make sure that he listened to whatever direction Ray was giving him. For his first season, Coach Rhodes had a big task ahead of him. He needed to reshape the Eagles and get more W's on the books. The internet is full of neat stuff. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Ah, 1995. What a year. Michael Jordan ended his first retirement. The nation and world watched transfixed as O.J. Simpson was found innocent. Gas was only $1.02 per gallon. As much as it pains me to say this, by the beginning of 1995, the Cowboys had won their back-to-back Super Bowls. Coach Jimmy Johnson was fired. His replacement was Barry Switzer. The triplets, Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, and Michael Irvin, were dominating every team they came up against. In Philly, Coach Rhodes, a man who favored sweater vests on game day in both hot and cold weather, surveyed his squad, and one guy already there was... Hello, I am Michael Zordich, and I played strong safety for the Philadelphia Eagles. I played through the 94 through 98 seasons, five years with them, five great years. They assembled a bunch of veterans uh, in 94 and 95, and it was a great group of guys. I, mean, I go down the list, Andy Harmon, Romanowski, Kirk Covea, William Fuller, Greg Jackson, Eric Allen. There was just a lot of really good football players and a lot of good guys on that team. When Zordich joined the Eagles, he had been in the NFL for eight seasons. For a few of those years, he played for the Cardinals. Like Dallas, they were another outlier geographically in the NFC East, so he knew about the Cowboys' reputation. It didn't take long for him to land on a decision about this rivalry. We certainly did not like each other. I think we respected each other, uh, but we did not like each other, that's for sure. Another guy suiting up for the 1995 season. Bobby Taylor. I played cornerback for the Philadelphia Eagles. I was drafted in the second round in 1995, and I played there for nine seasons. Taylor is a great storyteller, and since he played in a number of these key rivalry games, we'll be hearing from him quite a bit. I am from Texas. I was born in Houston, Texas, but I grew up in East Texas. It's a smaller town called Longview, where I stayed with my grandparents. I graduated high school from there, and that's where I call home. We know a lot of Eagles players over the years have come from Texas. But Bobby Taylor has a secret. I was a Cowboys fan growing up, but that had to change on the day I got drafted by the Eagles to where my loyalty to the Cowboys, I had to put that to the side. It takes a big man to admit when they made such a big mistake. And as Taylor likes to point out, our head coach at the time, Ray Rose, he's also a Texas native. Let's move as fast as small town gossip to week 15. Is that a Texas saying? It sure is. You can use it when you want, Derek. All right, so the Eagles' record is 9-5. and five. The Cowboys stand at 10-4, and four, so it's close. But the team from Texas has a slight mental edge. They had beaten the Eagles pretty handily in Week 9. Dallas was coming to Philly, so you know that home field advantage and the fan intimidation machine would be out in full force. 
I had a nice ride going down I-76. And so just to see some of the fans that were already en route to go down to South Philly, I'm passing people in my truck. And um, fortunately, some people recognized me and were waving, hanging out of, out of the windows. And so just to make that exit to go down Broad Street and turn into Veterans Stadium. And at the time, the way we parked, it wasn't too private. And so when we parked, there were always fans that were lining the parking lot where we parked. And so to walk through all of the fans and to see how spirited they were, I think the game didn't disappoint once we went out there on the field. The game started at 1 p.m. on Sunday, December 10th, 1995. I was actually in the stands that day, and it was so cold. The thermometer at kickoff read 23 degrees, and there was a wind chill. Watching Zordich and Taylor take the field were 66,198 fans. Madness, mayhem. As usual at the vet, especially when the Cowboys came to town, it was a great atmosphere. The Philly fans are the best, without a doubt the best. They love you when you're good and they hate you when you're bad, but that's all part of it. And it was a hell of a crowd. Looking back, it wasn't just the Eagles fans who made playing in Philly so tough for Nate Newton. The vet football field was the worst. Y'all, it's like, how could you survive on that turf? I mean, it was hard as brick. You didn't want to fall. So you had to fight these beasts and not fall on the ground and skin yourself all up. Especially as a young guy, you were not going to be comfortable that whole game. Y'all had crevices in y'all field. Crevices. I wear a size 15 shoe and was tripping all over the place. That ain't supposed to happen on a football field. Line shot kickoff to Williams. Took it at about the four, looking for some room. The Eagles, the Eagles scored first on a Gary Anderson field goal, but the Cowboys took the lead and they kept increasing it. Zimmer again. Touchdown. Pass is picked off by Larry Brown, and he's gone. By the end of the second quarter, the boys were beating the Birds 17-6. That's a fair amount of ground to make up in the second half. But football games can change pretty quickly. Coach Rhodes must have found a way to motivate the guys heading into the second half because it was almost like a new team ran onto the field. The third quarter starts. Neither team is able to make much headway. Then Philadelphia gets the ball, and Ricky Waters scores on a one-yard touchdown. The Eagles were within striking distance of Dallas. The scoreboard read, Cowboys 17, Eagles 14. Final quarter, 15 minutes left on the clock. Gary Anderson to tie it, two for two, and it's good. Gary Anderson, the Eagles kicker, nailed a 38-yard field goal. If you go back and watch the game clips, you see Barry Switzer pacing along the sidelines, thinking, we've lost our lead. This isn't good. With the score tied, Mike Zordich, Bobby Taylor, Ray Dinger, Merrill Reese, Christy Scales, who was covering the Cowboys, and Nate Newton explain what happened next. That was a very close football game, and we actually tied it up, and then they had the football with maybe three minutes to go in the game. And we got him to fourth and one. And it was on our side of the 50. And uh, Barry Switzer was a coach at the time. And he decided to go for it. When you are in a crucial situation, offensively or defensively, you're going to go to your bread and butter. And Emmett Smith was their best player at the time. And 
I mean, it was a no-brainer. I mean, we knew what they were going to run. The strength of their team at the time was their offense. I can almost remember the game plan and remember every guy that they put out there on the field. They came out in their heavy personnel, and Troy just basically turned around and gave the ball to Emmett. And fortunately, we were able to get a stop. Coach says go for it. Uh, And he's got the ball at his own 30-yard line. And I remember John Madden, who was broadcasting the game, said, oh, man, I wouldn't do this. If I was Barry, I wouldn't do this. At that point, the handoff went to the great Emmett Smith. And the Eagles, who (laughs) were beaten so many times by Emmett Smith, stacked him up at the line of scrimmage. And it was exciting that in this part of the game to stop Emmett Smith. And all of a sudden, the official came running over, waving his arms. And I couldn't imagine what was happening. And he explained that the two-minute warning had occurred right before that play began. So that waved off the play entirely. Me and Mark Tony and Moose Johnson, we are low left. In Dallas... We know of that historic game as load left. That was our most successful short yardage play. And the world knew that we always ran load left. We needed a yard or two. So when they called it, everybody and their mama, the linebackers, and they was pointing right, they coming right here. They were going to run Emmett Smith behind left guard Nate Newton, and left tackle Mark Tuane, and get a first down and run out the clock. But before they could get the ball snapped, uh, actually they did snap the ball, and Emmett was stopped well short of the first down, but the officials ruled that the two-minute warning, it had just hit two minutes, and so the play didn't happen. The fans started to chant Queens, we will rock you. There was commotion on both sidelines regarding the two-minute warning. Switzer's got his headset on. Cowboy's park is zipped up to the top, snow pants on, hat pulled tightly over his ears. This is the moment that Coach Barry Switzer could have course corrected. He had a mulligan, a do-over, but instead... Why in the world would you go out and line up for a play when you got stuffed and got lucky that uh, the officials went ahead and ruled that the clock had hit two minutes? So the first time we ran low left, we had four guys in the hole with us against me, Mark, two and eight, and Moose Johnson, our fullback. The second time we ran, we had eight guys standing in the hole. I actually turned and looked up at Troy, like, I know you're going to fake this ball in here to Emmett. Pull that ball out and bootleg around the other way. And they handed that ball off, and they crushed us. So we're going to be able to correct the mistake, but to go out and not only – send your offense out there for another fourth and one play, but to run the exact same play. It's been more than 25 years since this game, and I think there's still a hint of exasperation in Scale's voice. <laughs> Let's let Merrill Reese take it from here. When we came back, I was speaking to our color analyst, former Eagles offensive tackle Stan Waldens, and we're theorizing, what are the Cowboys going to do this time? And I thought maybe they would, throw a pass to their tight end, Jay Novacek. And instead, they came back with exactly the same play. And the handoff was to Emmett Smith, and I yelled, They stop him again! And this time they can't take it away from the Eagles. The same play! 
It's Groundhog Day! It's Groundhog Day! They did it again! And to this day, when people stop me, when fans stop me, they will oh, I go into one of their impersonations of me. One of the things they'll often do is go, they stopped them again. It's Groundhog Day. They stopped them again. The reactions from both sides, shock. They ran the play twice, and the Eagles stopped him twice. Gary Anderson, we end up winning with him kicking the field goal, but the fourth and one twice was quite an experience, to say the least. The Cowboys flew home to Dallas that night with an L. I think Nate Newton sums up how it went after the game for him and the boys quite nicely. We got in after the game, but everybody cussing me out. I'm like, why? I, I'm the only one getting cussed out when Tua Nate was a part of this and Jeremy Johnson was part of this. Oh, man. We went on to the Super Bowl, so who cares? <laughs> Okay, Derek, I'm going to give you a couple of clues, and I would like you to have a go at guessing the year. Okay, I'm game. Let's give it a go. Is there a cash prize? If wishing made it so, okay. First clue. The film with the lines, show me the money, and you had me at hello, came out. And Jeffrey Lurie made a cameo. Well, that's Jerry Maguire, but I need a bit more help than that. Okay, Oprah started her now-famous book club. I said, help, Rob, help. The Summer Olympics were in Atlanta, Georgia. Does that help? Yes. It's 1996. Nailed it. Nice work. I'm going to awkwardly segue to talking about football. Go for it. It's 1996, and it's week 10, and the Eagles were 7-2. and two. The Eagles had lost to Dallas at home during their week 5 matchup. Now they face Dallas at Texas Stadium. But could they split that year's series? Ray Rhodes has started his second season as head coach. Earlier, Merrill Reese said the coach was one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. Ray Dinger recalls another facet about Rhodes. Tough guy uh, is the best way of describing him. I would not want to fight him. His favorite expression was, I go through life with my fist balled up. And he kind of did. Ray was one of these guys that he had to fight for everything in his life. You know, he grew up sort of an undersized African-American kid in a small town and Texas, faced a lot of prejudice and bigotry on his way up, was a late draft pick into the NFL. Everybody thought he was too small to play, but he fought his way onto the roster. Really earned everything he got, and that really shaped his personality. So there was a real fierceness about his personality. The players respected him, and they liked him, and they played hard for him. One of the players Coach Rhodes brought in was Troy Vincent, a Trenton, New Jersey native. He joined the Eagles as a free agent in 1996. As a young player, he described himself as very focused. Some say I had a little sense of humor. I was always about my business, a team player. A young Troy Vincent actually wouldn't change anything differently today because I was able to be an Eagle and be back home. So it was a dream come true for me. Bobby Taylor had this to say about his teammate. Troy was the ultimate leader. The constant professional, we challenged each other. I would like to think that I challenged him. He definitely challenged me. And, you know, we had a great Batman and Robin reign while we were there in Philly. Vincent, Zordich, and Taylor and the rest of their teammates flew to Texas. I'm going to your turf, and we're going to duke it out on your turf in front of your sarcastic, let's say, obnoxious fans. I'm being diplomatic here. 
it was always fun because it was like you were the underdog. No one gave us a chance to go down to Dallas and compete with the Cowboys. For Taylor, the Texan, playing at home took on another meaning. Playing in Texas Stadium was a dream come true. When I was in high school, we were able to play a couple of games in Texas Stadium. And so to be a professional and to go back home and play in your home state versus a team that you were a fan of growing up, it was the world of me to be able to go back and do that. Kickoff was at 1 p.m. on Sunday, November 3rd. God was probably settling in to watch his favorite football team take a beating. Well, hopefully. But it was anyone's game. The Eagles hadn't won on the road in Dallas in five years. In fact, this game was a real edge-of-the-seat, drag-out, lead-exchanging nail-biter. Dallas scored first. Then the Eagles got on the board. Tied 7-7, end of the first quarter. A lot of time in a football game, especially that early. So no one should panic that early. No way. Dallas scores on a field goal and captures the lead. Then with about four minutes left in the half, Ty Detmer scores. Halftime comes and goes, and the Eagles have a slight edge. I mean, the score is 14-13. to Then the Eagles added another touchdown. The score creeps up to 21-13. They could exhale. Well, not really. Five minutes into the fourth quarter, one of the triplets, Emmett Smith, scores a touchdown. Now it's 21-21. A field goal gave the Eagles a three-point lead. At this point in the game, it could go either way. And then Troy Vincent stepped up. It was neck and neck. One of the two teams had to make a big play. Uh, We were seated at Texas Stadium. We were way, way, way up in the air. We're looking basically at little dots on the field. And it came down to the big play in the corner of the end zone. I can go back through coming out of the huddle. You got the triangle. You got one of the all-time best players now in the history of the game in Emmett. They're driving. We're coming out of the huddle. Either they're going to feed Emmett on a lead, or you may get a play-action pass because they're probably thinking they're going to go to their bell cow. It's the way we framed them. And as the play progressed, oh, it was a play-action pass down here in red zone. Everybody got to glue your man. The ball was thrown, and then you hear excitement. And then it got completely silent within a matter of a second or two. And the silence came upon the interception. Aikman throws a pass, rare bad pass for him. I could see the Eagles reach up. I saw a pair of arms reach up with the green helmet. He throws into the end zone. Intercepted! Intercepted! Coming up with the interception. A guy named James Willis intercepts it and comes running out of the end zone with it and then pitches a lateral to Troy Vincent and then Troy Vincent takes it the rest of the way. Vincent running down the sideline. He's at the 30, the 25, 20, the 15, 10. The Eagles win, the Eagles win, the Eagles win. You can hear go, and then it was complete silence, all but a couple guys on the opponent's sideline. That was like, you can hear just a few, yeah, 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 yeah. The ball was pitched coming out of the end zone. I can see their sideline, and you can kind of see everybody like, oh, my God, yeah, it's like, yep, yeah, this is happening. 
And it was complete silence in the stadium. And you're just running, like running on air. You got this big guy that's, you know, he can't tackle you, let alone he can't catch you. And then once I cleared the last defender, it was just space. I remember looking up after the touchdown and people are in complete disbelief. You go from like, we got this to like, oh my gosh, that just didn't happen. Oh yes, it just happened. It happened in Dallas. The Eagles left Dallas that day with a W. Final score, 31 to 21. Coming up, it's Y2K, the year 2000, a brand new century and a fresh decade. The Eagles have a new head coach. And so do the Cowboys. There's pickle juice. Pickle juice. Pickle juice. Texas' own Jeremiah Trotter has a reputation for his laugh and his possible Dallas Cowboys fandom. (laughs) I plead the fifth. There are David Aker's kicks, life lessons from Andy Reid, lopsided wins, and maybe a little bit of Eagles luck. I'm Rob Ellis, along with Derek Gunn. Thanks for listening. And an Eagles thank you to all of our guests for sharing their stories. If you want to dive deeper into the birds and boys rivalry, head over to PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash birds, boys, bad blood, where you'll find photos, videos, additional audio, and even more behind the scenes content. Compassionate and trusted care. Clinical expertise. It's the cornerstone of NovaCare Rehabilitation and why they're the leading provider of physical therapy throughout the Delaware Valley. Don't let aches and pains or any injury slow you down. Schedule an appointment today at NovaCare.com. The Philadelphia Eagles choose NovaCare. So can you. NovaCare, the power of physical therapy.